0: Because it's that time of the semester where you guys are feeling the crunch. I'm actually just thrilled to see you guys here. that You take time because I know you guys are just l- way down with stuff right now. And uh, there's lots of projects and papers and tests and all that stuff. And the distraction of those papers and tests and projects is distracting you from the question that is haunting you. Which is, what am I going to do after this? Um whether this is your first year and you're finishing up and you're not sure what you're going to do this summer or you're not sure what your major is going to be. Or especially if this is your last semester at App, there's probably a lot of anxiety of like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, what am I supposed to do for the rest of my life? What is a, a purpose for me? What, and if you're a Christian person or a person of faith, you're like, what does God want me to do for the rest of my life? What's my purpose? In this passage here in Matthew chapter 5... Um, is a loud answer to that question um, of what should I do? What am I to do? This text I want to submit to you is is, is a good answer to that. So I'm going to read it uh, to us. So listen. Let's give our attention. This is God's word. Jesus said, "You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored?" It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I believe this is God's word. He's speaking to us. I'm going to ask him to bless our time together. Uh, Father, we thank you um, that we can take a break here in the middle of the week. Lord, with everything around us, Lord, our lives are distracting enough, and it just feels like there's so many things to keep in mind. Um, you throw on top of that finals, throw on top of that graduation, throw on, throw on top of that internships, throw on top of that whatever's ahead of us. And Lord, we just need you to calm us. We need you to give us eyes to see, ears to hear that we need you to, to take that distraction from us. Lord, your word has been read. And Lord, we admit to you that that is powerful enough to change us, to show us you, to show us ourselves. But Lord, we do ask, because you're kind, because you love to speak to us and to be with us, that you would speak to us now as we consider your word together. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as you think about the rest of your life, what's ahead of you, and as as you're sent out, I want to send you out um, with this simple statement. And that's, the world needs you. The world needs you to be engaged, to be involved with your whole self. I want you to imagine that you're driving, and uh, you're heading somewhere, and you're, you're going along a railroad track, and at some point, there's lots of cars and ambulances, and then you see that this huge train full of cars, all attached, has jumped the rails and is just buried in the dirt, right? This gigantic machine has gone off the rails and it's on the side of of the road and you have to be thinking like, well number one, how did this thing happen? Like how did this, how did it get this way? Depending on the track, you know, I don't think it's supposed to do that, but maybe. But what you've gotta be thinking is, what are we supposed to do now? Like how could this thing ever be fixed? How could this stuff be put right? And tonight, Jesus is speaking to us through this passage and saying the world is not as it should be. The world, in a sense, has broken. It's in a sense, jumped off the rails. And I think we all feel that. Um, we may not say that we kind of believe that, uh, you know, uh, philosophically or psychologically, but we know that the world doesn't function the way that it really could or should, and we don't function that way. But how can it be made right? And what Jesus says tonight is the way that he wants to put things right is through you. The world needs you. And he says, if you're here and you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, you are salt and light in the world. You exist for the good of the world. And if you're here tonight and, um, you know, you're like, I'm not sure where I'm at, you're not yet following Jesus, this text and Jesus speaking here, he's speaking to his followers at the time that he was living and speaking to followers today. And if you're here and you're like, well, that's not me. I think that really just still deserves your attention because the life that, that Jesus gives here um, is really an invitation to do actual good for the world. And I think that's something that we all want. So Jesus says, I'm sending you out as salt and light. And all I want to do with you is just break down what does that mean? What does it mean that you're salt? What does it mean that you're light? Uh, my daughter Bonnie here, who's five, she had a formal dinner today at school, which was a which was a fancy lunch with they had glasses and tablecloth and classical music was playing. It was really great. It was, thank you for inviting us um, to a party. But um, we had to get, some, some parents signed up to bring ginger ale. We apparently signed up to bring two quarts of blueberries and four cans of whipped cream, which is about $28.46. Um, but So I'm all, you guys see where my mind is at last night when I go to the store. I'm like, really, we signed up for this? And so I, this morning I get up. I'm like, i got to rinse the blueberries. i got to get the whipped cream out and take mine to school. And I look in the fridge, and it's not there. And I was like, oh, that's because it's on the counter where I left all the four cans of whipped cream and the blueberries on the counter all night. And they had been room temperature for about 10 to 11 hours. Um, and then I get to the school. And I'm like, we, we rush in. We get more whipped cream. We go to school. We, the blueberries are just warm. Okay, it's just going to be like I mean, they grow out in the earth, you know. And... Uh, and um, but I get to school and I go to put the blueberries in the uh, fridge, and like it catches on the bag, and the top comes off, and like all the blueberries just go all over the all over the floor, and uh, it was a struggle this morning. It was it was it was a day for sure. Um, but I thought to myself, isn't this just the world, right? Like this is in a sense our experience. Like things feel like they're working against you, but in some way the world is decaying, right? It sat on the counter. It doesn't feel like. It's the world that God intended it to be. The world is, in a sense, rotting. The Bible says that this world is passing away. But here's the thing. God loves the world. He utterly loves everything that he made, and he delights in it. And God says, this is what I want to do. My world is decaying, and my answer to that is you. I'm going to send you out into the world as salt. Because salt really does two things. It's a preservative first. Back in the day, there was no refrigerators to spill your blueberries in front of um, in the first century when Jesus was living. Um, there was no refrigeration. So if you had food and you want especially meat and you wanted to keep it from spoiling, you would pack it in salt and you would preserve it in that salt. And what they would do is it would preserve the health and the life of that food for you. And what Jesus is saying is if you know the Lord Jesus, he's sending you out to preserve life in the world. He's sending you out to stem the decay of the world around you. I have in my office a map of the Blue Ridge Parkway in western North Carolina. It's pretty cool, actually, to look at it and see where everything is. And I just stand and I look at it, and it's always amazing and mesmerizing to me, because I think there's all the towns, There's and then there's, you know, there's Mount Mitchell, there's Grandfather, all these places. And I think they're all so different, Brevard, Asheville, Hendersonville, Boone, Blowing Rock... They're so different, but they're each so beautiful, right, in their own way. And they form this beautiful whole. That's why we go out and, and ride on the parkway and listen to music and make out with people in our cars on the parkway or go camping, whatever we're calling it. Everybody's got to call it something. Um, and, uh, and I think about every facet of it, and all of them are beautiful. And that's how God sees his world. Every nook and cranny of the world and every person on the planet, God says they are beautiful and delightful in their way and they're part of my world. And God is sending you out because he cares deeply and loves this world and loves the people on it. He says, I do not want them to decay. I do not want them to rot away. I don't want them to pass away. I want you to preserve them. So God is sending you out, if you're leaving here especially, God is sending you out in the world's preserved life. But the second thing salt does is that salt obviously gives flavor, right? We have refrigerators, we don't, unless you're like, you know, got some deer jerky you're trying to do, um, we use salt for flavor. Salt brings out the distinct flavor of food. You put salt on food, it's too much if you can taste the salt really. What it does is it enhances the complexity and the flavor Of food because I mean food doesn't have to have flavor to nourish you right like you know some of us eat food on the reg i.e. oatmeal that has no flavor but it's supposed to nourish you in some weird you know masochistic way and um, but Garrett has great oatmeal recipes so hit hit the man up for his uh, his oatmeal recipes. But food can nourish us without flavor. But when food has rich, good, beautiful, deep flavor, it actually nourishes our body and our soul, right? There's a sense that our soul is nourished by it. And what Jesus is saying here is, I'm sending you out into the world to enhance the complexity and the richness and the robust flavor of the world. I'm sending you out as a source of delight to the world that that's part of our role in the world is that we go out to bring the delight of God to bear on the world around us by giving it deep, rich flavor, by bringing out the complexities of what's already there. And notice Jesus doesn't say, he doesn't say, I want you to go, um, go be salt. He doesn't say, make yourself salt. No, he says, you are the salt of the earth. If you're a Christian person or you're uh, you're investigating the Christian life, everything in the Christian life is a response to what Jesus has already done for us. If you know Jesus, he has already made you salt. It's his work in you. He's given you that purpose. It's work that's already done. He is the giver of life, eternal life, true life. And he delights. Well, I mean, think about what what delights you. I know it's that time of the semester where we start to, you know, sunshine delights us in moon, right? But it's been many days without the sun. Um, and our, deli- our delight is low in the sun right now. Think about what delights you. Jesus says, you delight me. And now I'm sending you back into the world as a source of delight and life. And some of y'all um, are terrified of being salt because you're terrified of touching something unsavory. I really appreciated what Marge was saying when she was up here. Because when you have, you know, when you have siblings that are rebellious, you know, or they, they, they seem like they're a mess, it's really easy to be like, well, I'm going to stay away from anything unsavory. And that will be my identity. Some of, some of us don't want to be shaken out of the salt shaker. Because we're afraid that what we'll touch isn't, is, is, is unsavory. But that's the whole point. Jesus is sending you out to be engaged in the world, to go to unsavory places, to bring flavor and richness, to preserve life. um, To go out and share the delight that you have received from Jesus. The the thing about heaven will be that we share in God's delight fully and that we know it. And we know how it feels, not just a delight in something but to be delighted in. And he's sending you out so that you will, that will rub off on, on other people. I mean, have you ever seasoned like a piece of meat? You know, it's not like if you're about to like slow cook something or you like, cook a steak, you, you pour that salt on and you rub it in, right? You want to get every little piece of that meat so that no part of the meat is left without flavor. In a sense, Jesus is saying, you've got to go out there. You can't be afraid of touching something unsavory. That's actually what he wants to do. In the Old Testament, you couldn't couldn't touch someone that was really sick with certain kind of diseases. It would make you unclean. Jesus came and he put his hands on them. He says, I want you to touch the world as well. Some of you are afraid of touching something unsavory. Some of y'all are just so prone to lose everything about you that is salty when you go out into the world. That you go out and you allow yourself to be sort of defined by what's already there. And you're afraid of someone seeing what is distinct about you as someone that follows Jesus, and so what you do is you sort of blend in, um, and, and you lose those distinctiveness, and so you don't add flavor, you just take up space. And uh, I understand that. That tends to be me as well. I, I just want to be there. I don't want to. I don't want to cause too much stir. But what Jesus is saying to us, and I think really the, the trick for us here. To stay salty, as it were, in the world, to keep that flavor, is that you have to be constantly nourished in Jesus and with his people. And that means especially if you're leaving here, but also if you're staying here, you need the church badly. You need the local church, a place where people can remind you of the good news of Jesus, a place where people can actually know you, a place where you can actually serve Jesus is sending you out into the world as salt, but Jesus is also sending you out into the world as light. Okay? He wants you to preserve life and bring flavor, but he's also sending you out as light. Now, the first thing that God did when he created the world was he said, let there be light. He spoke. If you think about how powerful God is, he just speaks and things come into existence. And the first thing that he created was light in the world. But one of the most pervasive images that the Bible has of the world that we live in now, a world that's turned away from God, a world that's gone our own way, is that we walk in darkness. That the world is, in a sense, dark. It's confusing. Um, But God loves the world, right? He utterly delights in everything he made. So what does he do about this darkness? He sends you. He sends you into the world as light, so that his light can shine for the good of the world. And this, light does a lot of things, but light brings clarity and safety. You know how it is. I've been this paranoid that the, the power is going to go out with all this raining and everything, because you know how it is. Where you're just like you're kicking it in your living room or your dorm, and uh, you're hanging out there, and everything's right where you want it to be. You know, you got the diet Mountain Dew. But does anyone diet Cheerwine? You know, right over here. You're studying. You got Netflix up right, and then the power goes out. And everything that was very familiar to you, and you knew everything was, is suddenly like an instrument of death to to your life, right? Because like there was stuff on top of you, like I don't even know how to get up, how do I walk to the bathroom? Um, It's all super confusing when you're walking around in darkness and you're feeling around, right? And when it's dark, you're more prone to knock into something and destroy it, right? Just by walking around. You're more prone to bust up your knee, you know, on on the side table, And what God is doing is saying the world is dark. And what that means is people are walking around and they're hurting themselves and they're hurting other people and bringing destruction because they can't see. They don't have clarity. They, They aren't safe. There's no safety, in a sense, in the dark. And so he's sending you out as light to bring clarity to the world. So people can see, to help people find their way to God. Um, And what that looks like often for us is speaking God's word to them. Because the Bible says about itself in the Psalms that that the Bible is a a lamp unto our feet. You know, you have a flashlight, you shine it on the ground in front of you so you don't bust into anything. And it's a light to our path that shows us Where we were going, so God is sending you out into the world as light to take His world, His word, so that people can know God. Um, But also, light is a disinfectant. Um, You know, light. People say that sunshine is like the best disinfectant, right? Things that are yucky, sunshine drives those things away and brings health. Um, For Lord of the Rings fans in here, this is probably the first time in five years I've used a Lord of the Rings illustration. Some. I'm pretty proud of that. Um, but there's this, this scene, you know, Frodo and Sam have been given the file of Galadriel, which is like this little file of, thank you, Jay Kaufman, with a strong head nod. Um, uh, I'm just like, I'm up here squirming in my nerdiness, and I'm glad that you're out there with me. Okay, um, and they have this vial, file, um, file of Galadriel, which is light in this gla- in this crystal. Bottle, And when Frodo gets uh, caught by Shelob, the big giant spider, Sam uses that light to back Shelob. That thing that's yucky and destructive and going to destroy Frodo, it backs away from the light. Because the darkness, the yuckiness of the world cannot stand to be in the light. God is sending you out, if you know Jesus, as a bearer of light that backs down the darkness. It cleanses out that which is yucky. I won't use names here, but um, a student uh, that I know well and love was telling me recently about. I was like, You doing okay? You look a little bit rattled. And she said, Yeah, I just, my favorite pro- professor just like, just kind of yelled at me, but like I deserved it. And I was like, Oh, what is it, you know? And she said, My professor gave me, I, I really respect him, he gave me my paperback and he said, I gave you an A, but I should have given you an F because you chose a subject that was really easy and it was beneath you to write on it, and it disappointed me and i gave you an a but you deserved enough because you could have done better and when i i just think about that story so much cuz i think that is disinfecting light that's someone that's loving you enough to say you're so much better than this like you're so much more valuable than this why are you why are you selling yourself Sure, and as Jesus sends us out into the world as light, what we're saying is, you know, life without God, life that is lived for ourselves, for our desires, or for the desires of others, for the agenda of others, anything other than a life that is around God, for God, in God, is inherently limited and inherently destructive because it folds back in and destroys itself. And we all desperately need other people to help us see that. We cannot see that on our own, we're all bent toward our own destruction, and Jesus is sending you out into the world to push back the darkness, to push back that which is decaying and filled with death. Are you okay just telling people, I think this is hurting you? God has something that is more beautiful and rich for you than this. And can I help you? Same for me. Can we go move toward that light together to find health? But lastly, what light does, and I think this is what's most important, is that light gives hope? Um, light gives hope in the darkness. Uh, my wife and I went to see a quiet place the other night. It's really good. They're giving me a lot of yeses. Okay, so affirmed. Um, it's really good. The, 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 the basic gist of the story is that John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, like those two, would ever be together. Um, are are uh, are living in a world in which there are monsters that are blind but they respond to sound and so they have to do everything in, in silence and they have no way of communicating with the other people in the world right? because they have to be quiet they walk around with no shoes um, but at night they get up on top of the silo and they light a fire on top of the silo and there's these great scenes of them being on the silo and looking out on the hills and seeing these other pinpricks of light that come up on the hill and those lights are signs of hope signs that you're not alone Signs that the darkness has not won. Signs that all is not lost. And what Jesus is saying is, you are a light in that dark world. Because, y'all, i got to tell you something. Especially when you leave college. But really, in a real way, here at Appalachian, people are watching for the light. People want to see the light. They long to, to see the light. And, you know, Kendrick, whom I love, um, in Mama, which is on *Dependent Butterfly*, which is you know one of the greatest works of art in the last decade, um, <clears throat> you know he says it in there. He says, "I've been looking for you my whole life." Right? An appetite for the feeling I can barely describe where you reside. He's talking about this longing that he has for God. That he's looking. He's looking all over. The world. Is it in a woman? Is it in money? He's looking for this feeling that he can't describe. That he can barely describe. He's been looking for it his whole life. And the daily life that you live. You might feel like the suckiest Christian on the face of the earth, okay? And you're just like, I fail at pretty much everything that in my mind is supposed to be like being a Christian. The people around you watching your daily life are seeing the clearest picture they're going to see of the Father. Of a Father that delights in them and that loves them. And many people long to see the light in the darkness. And they need you. Badly. I forget this. This is my literal job, okay? Um, I forget this. I went to lunch with a buddy who is super stingy, like does not just throw around money at all. Um, like he shops at, he shops at the discount food store, you know what I'm saying? And um, he's like, man, this is like 10-pound bag of drumsticks. It was like 499. dollars I was like, dude, do, do not eat that. Um, <laughs> but one time he paid for lunch, and it shocked me, Literally. His name is Jeremiah. You can look him up. So can look him up. I'm going to say his last name. Um, and I said, Jeremiah, why are you paying for lunch? You've never done this. I've known you for like 12 years. And he said, you're literally keeping people from going to hell. It's the least I can do. And I was like, um, that's a clarifying moment, right? Because, But that's not just like my job. What Jesus is saying is, if you know Jesus, you are a bearer of light in the world where people are walking in darkness and they want to know the light people are lost in darkness and they need you. And, you know, people are always asking me, like, what about people that never hear about Jesus? You know, and there's like this sense of like, how, you know, what's God like? How dare God? And I'm like, yeah, he's he's working on it. It's right here. He's sending you out into the world to, to share the gospel. What about the people that are right here that are in darkness and you are hiding Jesus from them? You know, like, I'm not trying to throw God under the bus for that. He is sending us, and I'm not trying to be intense. I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip. I'm just saying he's given you light. Because he doesn't, again, say, be the light of the world. He's saying you are the light of the world. You are an ambassador of hope. You are an ambassador that all is not lost, that there is life. And what's amazing is that Jesus also calls himself the light of the world. He says you're the light of the world because I'm the light of the world. He says, you're like a light bulb, you know. It doesn't give light on its own unless it's connected to the power. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm filling you up with light to shine it into the dark world. Jesus is at work in you. And yes, I mean you. The person just feels like, I want to follow Jesus, I just struggle. Jesus is shining his light in you. Because when Jesus was at the cross, when he was taking upon himself that which we deserved, and because of our, the way that we bring destruction to the world and the way we turn away from God. The city he was in, Jerusalem, was plunged into total darkness. Everything went totally dark for several hours. And now that he's raised from the dead, the light of the world is shining, but most of us continue to live in darkness. And he's saying, stop putting that light underneath something. I'm going to shine out into the world because the world needs you, each of you. The world needs you to be involved. And my plea to you is, please show up. Do not disappear into your own life. It's real easy to do. Do not disappear into the world, but allow light to fill the room. And a couple of takeaways. To To uncover the light, some of you need to take yourself less seriously. And what I mean by that is um, not that you'd be more goofy, you know, just be more wild, just be like more carefree. What I'm saying is, some of you need to take yourselves less seriously by dealing with your stuff. Um, we all have emotional hangups. We all have past things that have happened in our past, past hurts. Um, you know, most of us have mental health issues. Okay. And we, we take those issues and we just make them ultimate in our lives and we define ourselves by them. And we make them so big and take them so seriously that we never do anything about them. We never move into them. We never move toward health. We never take a path toward actually walking. Um, counseling is fantastic. Please go. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means that you're a human being. Seeking reconciliation with other people and finding forgiveness is good. And there is a path to that. And so I say, take yourself less seriously. Like, like, just go like, I have issues. I, I Okay, I, I, and I can begin to work through them with the help of the people around me and the help of God, the help of professionals. Because there are paths toward health and forgiveness. And some scars will never fully go away. But they will heal to a degree. And you may always walk with a spiritual limp in your life. Um, but Jesus has a path for you and some of our spiritual maturity is stunted just because we wallow in our stuff and we just need to start taking ourselves a little less seriously to say like I can begin to work on this issue because there's help for me but some of you need to take yourself more seriously and what I mean by that is um, I learned a word yesterday called satisfied it's like um, satisfied and sacrificed in the same word and that's when we kind of take the thing that's in front of us The first option, and we just like, we're just, you know, settle for that, and we cut ourselves off from the good thing that may be ahead of us. Um, We don't want to wait for more options. We settle for lesser loves. The God of the universe that made you delights himself in you, and he wants you to delight in him. The whole purpose of your life, from his perspective, is for you to enjoy him. And, and, and yet we, we, we just mess around with we, we, the pleasures of the wealthy, the pleasures of the hookup, the constant avoidance of discomfort in our lives keeps us, it satisfies us from that which is true and real. But y'all, the opportunity is too great and you're too worth it and God is too much at work in the world. You have too much potential as salt and light. But in order to do that, in order to live that way, to live that fully, to live that beautifully as salt and light, you have to know Jesus fully. Um, and that's, that's my call to you, the thing I want to leave with you. Um, I was texting with Olivia the other day about our, our children's names. and Because um, our, our daughter, Georgia, her name is names Farmer. And I think when you're a little kid, you're like, oh, Farmer. That's like, But it's a cool name because you're a sower of seeds. And some of the coolest women that I know are farmers or want to be farmers. Some of you are in this room. You know, Bonnie's name means means pretty, means beautiful, um, because she's beautiful, because God made her in his love. But rosemary, our youngest, it's like, what does rosemary mean? It's like, well... Like a rose. Like a rose, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's rosemary, like the herb, right? So, like, what does it mean? Like, it just means rosemary. If you want to know what rosemary means, you have to actually interact with rosemary as a thing, right? You have to taste the flavor. You have to smell the aroma. You have to feel the prickliness of it in your hands. You have to look at it, at it in the garden with the other things. In short, like to know what that name means, you have to know the thing. It's an herb. It's an herb, yes. <laughs> it's an herb, by the way. It's not herb. Okay. Um. <clears throat> and the point there being, if you want to know the meaning of that name, You have to know the thing that it's named after. And Jesus calls you Christian. And he says, to know me and to find your place in the world, to know how much the world needs you, you have to know me. And the good news is that he makes himself knowable to all of us. God is at work in this world, and he is using you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you um, that you are at work, that you love us, that you love your world and you're at work setting everything to rights. You send us out as salt and light. And Lord, I don't know how that lands with everybody in the room, but I ask that you would give us courage to face our stuff, to go out into the world, to not retreat, to not just knock ourselves to the sidelines with petty things. But Lord, that we would have a sense of your delight, your love in our lives, Lord, and that we would do good in the world. Because you're at work, Lord Jesus. Lord, I think of those of us that are are in our finals and are facing the end. Lord, I just pray that your grace, mercy, and peace be upon us. pray in your name, Jesus.